Talk about 10 common mistakes to avoid in a divorce settlement. I got some good ones for you here. Divorce settlements in California can be complex and making mistakes during the process can have lasting consequences. Here are some common mistakes to avoid when negotiating a divorce settlement in California. Number one, not seeking legal counsel. One of the most significant mistakes you can make is not consulting with an experienced family law attorney. An attorney can help you understand your rights, navigate the legal system, and ensure that your interests are protected. So that's that's all fine and well, but I think that uh, that while doing that is great, I would say 99% of my clients don't do that. I think that most people can go through an amicable divorce and know that you know where it's a community property state and everything's divided equally. And so forth. I just had a consultation with both spouses uh, maybe 30 minutes ago. And I think, so it sounded like the wife had consulted with an attorney, the husband didn't, so she knew a little bit more. So it's, there's no harm, even if you guys are going to be amicable, to go out and have a consultation with an attorney, spend 30 minutes or an hour and have them read you the list of your rights so you can make informed decisions. And then that doesn't mean you have to hire the attorney. So now you now you have the power of information and now you know um, going in to discuss with your spouse to make informed decisions because you know how the game plan is. It also helps people from making mistakes in arguing or fighting over things that are pretty black and white. Like if you, you know, I've, I've heard people say, Tim, I, I want hundred percent of my pension and I don't want my wife to have it. Well, that's just not going to happen. Um, you can spend as much money on attorneys as you want. And that's, that's, that, that, you know, that's pretty clear cut the community property division and so forth. So um, it can help you prevent you from making mistakes in arguing over things that are going to happen regardless if you have an expensive attorney or not. Number two, failing to disclose all assets and debts. Full financial disclosure is essential in in divorce proceedings. Hiding assets or debts can lead to serious legal consequences. Be honest and thorough when providing financial information to your attorney and the court. Yeah, you do definitely want to um, disclose everything. I talked about this last week. We don't see that as an issue here. Mostly what people are doing is they're, they're so amicable that they're asking me, Tim, do we even have to list our assets and debts. And I always tell people, look, I'm not the divorce police. I don't know what you guys have. I don't know what the court has, but here's the disclosure form, you know, from the court that says, you know, you're supposed to do this. Um, but, uh, the, the other downside to that is the misunderstanding of community property in another consultation I had today, for example, he's, I said, is there any assets and debts, 401ks or pensions or anything like that? And he says, uh, nothing together. And this is a common phrase I get. No, we don't have anything together. And I said, I understand, but do, are there any pensions or 401ks and so forth? They said, oh, yeah, we both have 401k and this and that. So those are still community property assets uh, that you know acquired during the marriage. The fact that you're contributing to them during the marriage makes them community property, regardless that they're not on in the plan. I mean, the beneficiary doesn't count. That's not what we're talking about here. But the fact that it's just been acquired during the marriage. If you just Google, so I'm not giving you legal advice, you know, California community property laws. Um, there's plenty of blog posts out there written by attorneys that explain this pretty straight forward. Um, but yeah, most, I think most of ours is not people. And I know is not, they're not people hiding assets. They're just saying, is it, do we really have, is it really necessary to list them? We're both aware of what we have. Do we need to put it on the settlement agreement? Like I said, not the divorce police, but I tell folks, look, you need to include what you want to see on your settlement agreement that you are going to sign, that your spouse is going to sign, that the judge is going to sign, and then thus become a court order. And um, so if there's any dispute 5, 10, 20 years down the road, 
maybe someone falls on hard times and says, you know what, we never did discuss the 401k because it's not on the settlement agreement and they want to reopen the case. And, you know, there's probably a good likelihood that would happen because it doesn't say spouses keeping 100% of it. It's just totally left blank um, and not addressed at all. Probably, I'm sure you could find an attorney who could get the case reopened and relitigate that and say, look, this wasn't addressed and now we're going to address it 20 years later. So it'd be good to get that documented properly, I think. Number three, ignoring tax consequences. Failing to consider the tax implications of your divorce settlement can result in financial surprises down the road. Consult with a financial advisor or tax professional to understand how different assets and support payments may affect your tax liability. I think one of the things that we're seeing a lot of these days is um, people using their 401ks as a buyout for the family home. You know, and uh, someone part of the consultation I had with these folks earlier today was exactly that. And it, a lot of it is, is being drafted into settlement agreements that our clients are wanting. Um, in fact, we're doing also a, a quadro for a past client who are modifying their terms and they're going to do that exact same thing. And so you want to check with a tax professional on what that looks like to you, because is a is if you sell a home and you guys take those proceeds and that's not tax, it's liquid cash. And let's say you guys walk away with $100,000 each that's now in your bank account um, that's not being taxed versus in this scenario, let's say your spouse says, I'm going to give you an extra $100,000 for my 401k. We go through the quadro, they move that money over into a 401k on your behalf. Now, when you pull that money out, is that going to be taxed? It is a um, pre-tax investment. So I, I would imagine there would be some uh, taxes on that and perhaps some penalties. Again, do your own due diligence, but I think that's what we're talking about in this number three, ignoring tax consequences. It's, it might not always be apples to apples. So make sure you're you're having your paperwork looked at to make sure there's no issues for you. Number four, overlooking marital debts. In California, community property laws apply, which means that both spouses are generally responsible for debts incurred during the marriage. Make sure to address the division of debts in your settlement. So you have assets on one side, you have debts on the other. Of course, you want to include those. Same question comes up to him. Do we have to list them? You know, it's not, you know, we have a lot of clients who people did not really commingle their um, assets. They kind of kept them separate. And I'm talking short-term and long-term marriages where they had their own credit cards. They had their own income. They kind of mutually shared the mortgage that each contribute either a percentage based on their income differences or each pay 50% into a, uh, you know, a mortgage fund or whatnot, but everything else was separate. Maybe someone paid the electric gas and utilities and the other one paid the, the TV and you know, whatever other there are. And then their own credit cards, they, they had those on the side, they bought what they bought and they just want to separate them because they feel that they're separate. You can do that. It's still technically community property both the assets and debts, but uh, if people want to simply keep what they have, we do that all the time. Even when it's not kept separate, not, you know, they have joint cards, but it's like in their, in her name or his name or whatnot. Um, we still have folks saying, well, that's my debts, even though, you know, I know I ran it up $30,000 and technically I could, you know, get an attorney and, you know, put half on him or her, but I'm not going to do that because that these were kind of trips I took separately with girlfriends or whatnot. And so the court will not interfere with you guys dividing that up. If you guys want to keep 100% of your own asset or debt, the court, as long as you guys agree to that, it'll be totally fine. The court will not interfere. 
Number five, rushing the process. Divorce can be emotionally challenging, but rushing to settle without careful consideration can lead to regret later. Take the time to understand your options, negotiate and make informed decisions. So what I would say to that is most people that work with us, they've come to a point where they are rational, um, not making emotional decisions because they're amicable enough to sit down and work out and hash out their details and terms and then provide those to me so I can you know get their paperwork done and draft their settlement agreement. Um, I know that not often, but we'll get calls where um, I can hear on the phone um, that the wife is is obviously upset, maybe even sometimes you know on the verge of of tears or even crying. And they're like, I just want out of the divorce. I don't, uh, or out, I want out of the marriage. I don't, I'm not working, but I don't want spouse support. I don't want child support. I just want my kids and I want to be left alone. And, you know, obviously those are not great financial decisions when obviously there's a need for child support and spouse support, but I, I get where they're coming from. They're just so fed up. They're, they're done. I think long-term that's going to be fall under this category of, making an emotional decision that is not in your best interest or even your children's in that case. So, but we don't get that here. Excuse me. Um, Our people are our people. Our clients are are rational, um, amicable, various levels. And uh, I think what helps too is we're not sitting in a room together. So there's, there's not an emotional charge. A lot of our clients are still living together. So obviously that is going to take a certain amount of you being amicable to continue living together together through the divorce process. But those that aren't, that maybe um, it's not the greatest. I mean, it's still divorce, but we do use a portal for the communication. So it, it doesn't have to be in, in, you know, sitting in a room or a three-way call. It's communication through a secure portal where all communication is seen by all parties. So everyone's on the same page throughout the entire process. Number six, focusing solely on short-term gains. Consider the long-term implications of your divorce settlement, especially if it involves child custody, spouse support, or the division of retirement accounts. What may seem like a win in the short term may not be sustainable over time. So I think what that could um, refer to is is maybe you walking away from your spouse's retirement accounts that maybe things are great now. And uh, you're like, I don't, I don't want, you know, you, here's how this comes across. You know, he or she earned that working I think it's theirs. I think they should keep that here at all time. And that's fine. We'll draft it up. You know, husband or wife is keeping hundred percent of their own 401k or pension. And they're uh, the other spouses knowingly and willingly, you know, walking away from it. They're not being duped. They see it clearly on the settlement agreement. Um, that, and the terms that they provide me that that's what they want to do. That's fine. Will they regret that 20 or 30 years from now? Who knows? But I think that's what this um, is, is talking about that. Uh, number one, I was talking about earlier, how maybe you just want to get out of the situation. So you, you like, just take, just keep this. Maybe you don't want the fight. Maybe you don't want to have to, you know, like he or she is, you know, insistent on this and I don't want to spend 30 grand on an attorney fighting for this. So I, I just want to, I can go out and earn my own money, get my own pension or 401k. Great. Uh, I think this, uh, you know, focusing on the short term can be a mistake, but uh, that's not for me to say. It's not for the courts to say what the terms that you guys come up with is what I'm going to document and I'm not going to question it. I'm assuming you have done your due diligence and understand that you know exactly what you're walking away from because you'll see it on paper when you go to notarize your settlement agreement that, uh, you know, spouse is keeping all this, you're keeping all that, and you'll know what you're getting and what you're not. Number seven. Disregarding child custody and support, if you have children, their well-being should be a top priority. Work with your attorney to create a parenting plan that considers the best interest of your children and addresses custody and support matters. So 
child custody and child support has to be addressed as part of an overall divorce case. Um, some clients will say they don't want child support, quite a few in fact. Some say they don't want custody orders, uh, quite a few in fact. It's because they're that amicable. Maybe they've been still living together and they're co-parenting just fine. Maybe they've been living apart for years and co-parenting just fine. When that happens, um, we still have to have a child custody and child support plan. But in the child custody, all we're saying is joint legal, joint physical, and that's it. It allows them the freedom to work out the terms on an ongoing basis and, and um, just as they have been while they're married and maybe post-separation, post still being able to work that out. You don't need an official order spelling out all the dates and times. I think people are not shocked, but surprised to hear that we don't have to have a detailed parenting plan when it comes to custody. We just, we just don't. And, and often I'd say 99% of the time we're not, it's very, very plain joint legal, physical custody, um, child support, uh, still need to have, a address the child support. We just can't say, uh, leave, you know, not address it. So we still attach a child support order to your settlement agreement that says that either there is child support or there isn't. If so, how much, and when is it paid, et cetera. And so we can reserve it now. The The courts um, sent me some different language, probably been eight, 10 months now, that said we we don't have to do a non-guideline child support order where we say here's the incomes and, and it says child support should be 800, but we want zero. That's the way we did it before. Now, all we have to do is not even provide incomes of the, of the parents, we just put that it's going to be reserved for future determination, and the courts are totally fine with that. So we've been doing that quite a bit as well. So I think it's just important to note, child custody and child support needs to be addressed. To what degree is up to you guys. Number eight, agreeing to unreasonable terms. Don't let pressure or emotions lead you into accepting an unfair settlement. Negotiate for terms that you believe are reasonable and equitable based on your circumstances. So that kind of goes back to the other point we were talking about. Um, making, you know, focusing solely on short-term games, um, walking away from, uh, you know, unreasonable agreements or, or accepting unreasonable uh, terms. I think you'll know what you're signing off on. We're, you know, talking earlier about um, making the decisions just because you want the divorce to be over. Um, again, that doesn't happen with what we do. Uh, you guys are calling the shots, but I know when I worked for a law firm, I'd hear clients coming in and and overhear them saying, look, they just, they don't, they don't want to continue um, with the litigation, they're just they just want to be done. And in that case, I think that you get grinded down, and you know, attorneys are saying, "Hey, we can still you know win this for you, if you will, uh, as a word." But um, I, I get that some people just get grinded down, and they just want to uh, give in, and that's going to be your call um, in that. But yeah, but to negotiate terms that you believe are reasonable and equitable doesn't always mean fifty fifty. Uh, I talked about folks who. Um, Want, you know, client that wanted to keep the house was more important to her because of the four kids than having husband's pension. The pension was uh, her community property share in the pension was more valuable than the house equity. But she agreed that she was able, to, willing to walk away with that because it was, it was more um, equitable for her and reasonable because of the other conditions that existed. Her having the four kids and really wanting to keep them in the family home. So there is a reason you may want to give and take. A little bit more. It's not all about the dollar. 
Number 10, not documenting agreements. Ensure that all agreements reached during the divorce process are, are properly documented and incorporated into the final divorce. Decree, oral agreements, or informal arrangements may not be enforceable. And they're, and they obviously, I mean, you're talking about a different area of law. You're talking about, um, oh, what do you call it? It just would be civil. You know, you have you have an agreement, contract law, I suppose. But it would be, it is good to document. Like I said, I'm not the divorce police. I don't tell you what you need to put on there or don't. There's plenty of plenty of literature out there written by attorneys and the courts and the law as far as the disclosure process and what you should and should list and you know community and separate property and all that and we do document all that i get that you're completely amicable and i give people the choice say look i again i don't know what you have but now what what you feel is important maybe high value assets um technically you should be listing everything and we will list everything if you provide provide it to me but again i don't know what you guys have and and again our, i think the road people go down is some of our clients are so amicable that they're like, Tim, we don't want to list anything for a variety of reasons because, they, again, they are so amicable possibly um, and they know they're never going to have a dispute in the future um, or some don't want to list it because they don't want their assets and debts, you know, the possibility of someone acquiring that um, because it is quote unquote technically um, public record. Um, if someone knew about your divorce, could they go and get a copy of it? Sure. It's not published online or anything, but they could, you know, go to the court technically and go down and get that. Okay. So that was, what were we talking about here? The 10 common mistakes to avoid in a divorce settlement. I think that, uh, those points all made sense to me. How about you?